The final season of Power Book 2, Ghost, begins. And for Tariq St. Patrick, it's the moment of truth. In the wake of being betrayed, pushed out of the drug game, and almost killed, Tariq is out for revenge. Will he prove to be like his father and do whatever is to be done to protect his family and his future? Or is he his own man? Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now only on Stars and the Stars app. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears. Real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something, to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help. With funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm your girl, Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of Street Politicians, the, the place, place where, where the, the streets, streets and, and politics, politics meet. meet. Streets and politics meet. Father's Day just happened. Father's Juneteenth Day. Juneteenth just passed. Juneteenth. You know, black folks out here fighting, struggling, and we making sure that we standing up for our communities, for our people. So it's a good time, it's a good time. to be black and to be a freedom fighter. That's right. Justice for Pam Turner. Justice for Pamela Turner. This woman uh, was killed by police in Houston, Texas. Uh, she was she suffered from some mental health challenges. Officer lived in her community, knew her. Uh, I think there are reports that he had encountered her in the past. She was out doing what she does, you know, often walking the community. Everybody knows Pam Turner. Uh, was one of those women that you might see out there taking the garbage out. Maybe sometimes she might actually be rumbling a little bit. You know, she had some challenges. Mm-hmm. Officer approaches her. Uh, she They get into a little conversation back and forth. Uh, he tells her over and over again. No, not he tells her. She tells him over and over again, I don't want to be harmed. You know, I'm pregnant. Um, which I think later on they found out she wasn't, but she was trying to appeal to his morality. Um, you know, trying to tell him I'm pregnant. She didn't want to be harmed. Uh, he tased her, and while she was down on the ground, he got on. He stood on top of her and shot her to death. Um, and so Pam Turner died because a hateful man decided to take her life for no reason at all. At and all. we are fighting for justice for Pam Turner. That's right. Shout That's out right. to Ben Crump, uh, family attorney. Also, uh, Miss per- Miss T- uh, Turner's daughter uh, and family members, her sister, they are out here. They're struggling on her behalf. And just a few weeks ago, we went to Houston along with the just all our movement folks That's right. uh, to be with Traded Truth uh, and stand with the family of Pam Turner. Definitely did, man. So justice for Pam Turner. Justice for Pam Turner. What made you get up today and put your Pam Turner t-shirt I, I on? Was, I was going through my closet, right? You know, trying to... Because I always want... This is our podcast, so yeah. we should be branding things yeah. that we represent, that mm-hmm. we own, you know, God's work hat on, you know, shameless yeah. plug. That's and right. then I looked and I seen this t-shirt I had me on. It was still in plastic. And I was like, you know what? Today's, Today's the day. day. Yeah. You know, I just, we just celebrated Father's Day and and that's always a good thing. 
you know, even though we don't really get much, but yeah, you know, we ain't, we ain't gonna talk about that. We we'll talk about that later. But anyway, I found my Pam Turner shirt. And I just wanted to say justice for Pam Turner. So we yeah, got that. Justice for Pam Turner, for yeah. sure. So there's a lot that's happening. Um, and you know, I feel like you know, now we're we've entered this sort of freedom riding hot summer where we're now beginning to pick up the steam of protest around the nation. Tomorrow we'll be in Washington, DC. Um, you know until Freedom and other partners will be there dealing with this filibuster issue, ending the filibuster so that we can actually move some legislation through the federal government. Um, so what you know, exactly is the filibuster for the layman? So it basically like is, it's, it's, it's basically a delay. It gives power to particularly the Republicans to delay the process. And have you ever seen them on the floor? where they're like talking for hours and hours and hours and hours. The most simple way of explaining the filibuster is to say it's a delay. That's that's the mo- that's the shortest way to describe it. It's a delay. And it, if you ever watch where they're um, where you see uh, legislators speaking for a long period of time and they're just like standing on the floor, they're basically trying to obstruct progress and. Um, I forget exactly how it works between the Democrats and the Republicans, but I do know that the Republicans use the filibuster to be able to slow down and delay progress as often as possible. It really sort of throws the government into um, this this stalemate process, and um, it it needs to be removed. There's no reason for it. There should be votes. We should have people voting on issues, voting to pass laws, and moving forward, there should not be any process in place that, that can you, slow down progress or gives you the ability to obstruct justice mm-hmm. because that's what the filibuster currently does. Okay. The most Democrats are for getting rid of it, but you, of course, have folks like Joe Manchin and uh, Senator Cinema uh, who are saying that, well, you know, they're not 100% in agreement with ending it unless. The GOP, which is the Republicans, agree as well. So they want everybody to be on the same page, and we're just not in that space. We're not in that space, and I think, and I think that's what it is for me. Like, you know, I think most people are losing faith in what what government even is. Not even just individuals, just the whole state of what government is. Right? When you when you can have something like this that can purposely just delay progress, right? right? When you have people who who have been in career politicians mm-hmm. and they know that this process has never been everybody on the same page. It's yeah. never been kumbaya, right? right? And then you hear, and these are the same people that's supposed to be with a party that you supposed to be progressive. And now when we have an opportunity to do something that's progressive, you need the people who've been stopping progress Forever. their whole career to, to, join to agree you. It makes no sense. So I think people are starting to see that, right? And that's why I say we need something different. I think, you know, ending the filibuster, filibuster is definitely one of the first things. Yeah, we it's need really to do. important. It's very important. Because, see, the other thing that they can do with the filibuster is like they enter all types of motions. You know, again, delays, uh, you know, coming, finding all kinds of problems with the legislation. Um, serving this motion and that motion, just delaying and slowing down the process. Now we, exactly. 
it's real. It sits on someone's desk and it never really moves because the filibuster was was designed to co- sort of like stop things or to just, not, just imagine being in prison right? and right. somebody and you waiting to go to trial and they get, and, and they're able to do that. So right. you know we. Right. Just wonder, we but got I some mean, it's emotions. not on that level, but I get but your point. But just think about yeah. it, because yeah. it's not on the level, it's a different thing, but it's pretty much the same it ideology. Is, in because, a lot of ways. Because people's life hang in the balance of yeah. these bills That's that they true. won't pass. That's true. So you, while we wait, we fighting to get just basic civil rights bills passed that you block, and people are dying. People are losing their life. They're losing their finances. They're losing so many things. So it's I just, mean, yeah, people no are dying. The blood is still spilling. Yeah. And so I agree with you 100%. You know, the filibuster needs to end. And so tomorrow when we go to Washington, we will be, one, addressing that, protesting to end the filibuster, to push especially the Democrats to do something and then also, there are other issues. Passing the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, that for us is not negotiable. And we want it to pass as it currently stands rather than it being a watered-down bill. So, um, you know, we're going to be, the summer is hot. It's time for us to get back to the energy of last summer. People don't you know, got their vaccinations. People, people got their vaccinations. The, the world is opening back up. Summer. And there should be no reason why we're not hitting the streets. And you know, I was thinking, because that's what I do in my um, thought of the day, I was thinking about this idea of Juneteenth and realizing that there are some folks who are really mad at people like me, I don't know your position on on it, we haven't really talked much, who are not impressed by the fact that there is a Juneteenth holiday. You know, I, I want to say, and I, I did a live on it um the next day after it happened last week, after the the uh, the holiday um, was passed into federal law, if you will, um, you know, where people, I did a live explaining why I said I'm not impressed. And there were some folks who were like, well, when you say you're not impressed, it's disrespectful because there are people who fought to make this happen you know, and they named particularly one woman, Miss Opal, who is someone who led a movement to get um, the the uh, Juneteenth to be recognized. And obviously, we understand the history of Juneteenth. It's when Black folks became free, when when people in Galveston, Texas, who didn't know that they were free from when we originally supposedly received emancipation on June 19th. That's when they learned that they actually were still being held in bondage where the word didn't get to them that they were free. Mm-hmm. We know that. And we understand that Juneteenth is important. Really, I think for me, and to your point, is we're, still, we're not free though. Right. Well, I mean, but we can move about the world, right? Okay. And so, and, 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 and if you compare today to what they were experiencing, mm-hmm. oh, certainly there's progress, oh, right? So we all, we all respect that. And I understand a thousand percent why people would lead a movement to get that day recognized. Because at the end of the day, right, the first step towards anything is an acknowledgement of wrongdoing. So we all support that. No one is saying that we don't appreciate the work that was done by Miss Opal and others who have fought hard. And I know for sure they didn't just want a symbolic day. They wanted an acknowledgement so that we would know who we are, where we come from. Our children will understand the history of black folks in this country. So we would not think that the 4th of July was our uh, emancipation day because it is not, right? And so I understand that they they were working 
to get this holiday put in place, not because they think this is the end of the conversation around the enslavement and oppression of black folks, but so that we have a new beginning, a new conversation. But some of us said, and so when we say we're not impressed, we're not talking to the advocates who work to get the holiday. We're talking to the people who passed it who are disingenuous because you it. won't pass the Voting Rights Act. You won't secure voting rights in this country. You won't pass an anti-lynching bill. You won't pass an hate, a hate crime bill. John Conyers died trying to get a racial profiling bill in place. You won't pass the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. And not only will they not pass it, they're trying to block it to the point where they want to roll us back to what I think is the 60s and even beyond that, even before that. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's that's what we're up against. And you and and so they said, well, these folks have been fighting all their lives. Well, John Conyers fought all his life. Guess what? John Lewis fought all his life for our voting rights to be secured, and we're losing them every single day. Okay, Breonna Taylor died while they were out here, uh, you know, which by the way is still happening with no knock warrants and other forms of policing that is harmful and dangerous and abusive for our communities. Uh, uh, Eric Garner died being choked to death. Uh, uh, George Floyd died with an officer's knee in his neck. We got names of people who have given their lives for this struggle. And so what I'm saying is, Acknowledge the day, celebrate the day, have our black joy as a resistance method and as a as a revolutionary act. Have all of that. But for me, I'm not going to be impressed with the holiday until I have the accountability matched with the holiday so that I can look at it and say they gave us a holiday on whatever whatever the date is, June of 2021. And this holiday signifies that we've actually turned the page and that we've actually made some form of progress. So, no, I'm not impressed. And in the, in the words of my dear sister, our sister Leah Daughtry, Bishop Leah Daughtry, that's nice. Mm-hmm. That's nice. You know, thank you. We appreciate mm-hmm. that. But we want some real stuff done. We want some real things done so that we can celebrate the holiday knowing that you can't say we won't be killed, we won't be harmed, we won't have to deal with racism. But what you can say is that somebody going to have to pay for it if they do it in our communities. Because, damn it, June 19th is a great day, a great holiday that we can all celebrate together. And meanwhile, on the way to your celebration or back, or if you're Breonna Taylor, you could be dead in your home on the same holiday. And guess what? Nobody going to give you a damn piece of justice for it. So, no, I'm not impressed. I'm, I'm glad that there are some folks who see this as a milestone. And God bless them and keep fighting for us. Keep fighting for us. Keep doing the work to make sure that their flag is raised, that people know we're at war and what our people have been through. Because we've been harmed, we've been abused, and we have been in this country for over 400 years experiencing an oppression that nobody else has ever experienced on American soil. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep fighting for us. When I say I'm not impressed, I'm not talking to you. I'm impressed by the work, the struggle, and the sacrifice of our elders and brothers and sisters who are out there sounding the alarm on our behalf. But I am not impressed. 
by some particularly white men who are sitting up in Washington, who obstruct justice every single day, deciding to sign a damn holiday in place and give it to us and say, now on this day, go eat some stuff, dance. We're going to give you some damn 40% uh, 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 off at this store. We're going to give you a few things to make you celebrate and drink away the, the, the real truth of what we're doing, which is to try to take you back to the same time when June 19th had to be granted to you in the first place. That's how I feel about it. So no, I'm not impressed. Lord have mercy. To and I can still say happy holiday on June 19th. I have the right to feel both things. And we need grace for people to be unimpressed and celebrate at the same time. You sure? No, I mean, that's the truth. No, listen, I, you just, you sound like a Baptist preacher in here today. You, you just need to be able to have both. Look, she, listen, we don't even need to talk about that is what you call thought of the day. She... From the rooter to the tutor about this, man. She feels some way. And let's right, man. We need real, we don't need symbolism. We need activities. We need policy. Biden, we need policy right. in everything that it encompasses. Right. So listen, Juneteenth is nice. Like it's she said, it's nice. nice. It's nice. It look good. But make it feel good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm tired of looking good. Make me feel good. Damn it. Get yeah, that. Get like, it. Uh, what's her name? Holly Berry or Monsters Ball? No. Never would I. I mean, like but it's just, it's just yeah. funny. It's a nah, reference. Nah, Holly Berry so. was talking about something else. I'm talking about. Oh, of course. Yeah, but not Holly Berry. Look, come on that. now. Let's get it together. Because people, you know how people get it. We did the comments to be like, oh, you said like Holly Berry and Monsters Ball. You know what was going okay. on in Monsters Ball. Touché, nah, touché, touché. No champ. Touché. Holly Berry for said, me. That's make me feel good. Okay, she was talking about something completely different than I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about policies and laws. She's talking about somebody's draws. I'm not talking about that. You know what I'm saying? So, no. That's hilarious. It's the truth. Before we go to the next segment and have our special guest join, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here, and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family's safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Limited time offer. Requires 0% APR. 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot... 
and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. Keeping with this idea that we're still celebrating fathers, we always celebrated black fathers on street politicians. We try. Because I'm a black father, so we definitely I celebrate try. you. So, you know, we talk about how I great mean, you are as a father. This is true. And then also to the community, there's so many young people who look up to you. So we still celebrate in Father's Day. That's what we do. And in keeping with that, we're being joined. Uh, by one of our friends. Another one of our friends. Uh, that's a that's a that's a uh, it's, like, it's, a it's more like brother. You he know is a brother, a but he's still in, it, because the theme is that we've got so, so many, many friends. friends across the country that do such amazing, amazing work. And uh, I appreciate you for allowing me to introduce him today because um, Jeff Johnson is someone that I consider to be a mentor. Uh, someone that I have been for many, many years looking up to and looking to for advice about uh, strategy and how to maneuver through this crazy movement that he knows all too well. Um, I, I first learned of Jeff Johnson when he was the director of the youth and college division of the NAACP, which is a position that Jamal Bryant, Reverend Jamal Bryant, our friend, um, and brothers, you said, uh, also had, and then Stephen Green, uh, Reverend Stephen Green, who's uh, one also of our, our, friend. our friend, and he's our until freedom. Um, I won't call him a baby because he won't appreciate that. But he's well. He's yesterday at an event. He actually said that I was his elder by far. So I will call him one of the until freedom babies today. And then Tiffany Lofton. Um, who is uh, one of our colleagues, dope organizer. The NAACP has produced some of the absolute baddest young organizers in the country. Um, I think about Stephanie Brown James. And now Brother Wisdom is running the NAACP Youth and College Division. So Jeff comes out of that tradition. Um, He's a commentator, a radio personality, an influencer, uh, he won't want me to say a celebrity, but he is. Definitely and, a celebrity. And he is a brilliant organizer and now uh, leading Men Thrive. And so... And he's a dope father. And he's a dope dad. Dope dad. Dope a dope dad. dad. Oh, that might be a t-shirt. A dope dad. Dope dad. Yeah, it, uh, the dad gang already has it. Oh, they got uh, it, dope dad? Yeah. Okay. He yeah. knows everything. All right, you see, look, things. you know all about the dads, though. You got it. But thanks, Jeff. Thanks for coming on the show today. Of course, thank you. I mean, you all are uh, you all are friends, and, and I don't, I don't I like you all don't throw that around lightly. And um, we've been in this a long time, and there's just certain people who you know that whenever you call or they call, they always answer. Um, so I'm just I'm I'm forever thankful and grateful for who you all are in this work uh, and who you are in my life. So I, when when uh, you hit me and say come on, I don't even think I check my schedule. Uh, I'm just like let's go. 
appreciate that. We definitely appreciate that, man. Just, just, just watching you over the years, man. And I, I watched how fatherhood just changed you. You understand mm. what I'm saying? Like I watched you just always be one of the greatest speakers of all our time, educated and always. I look on your shows and just tune into your social media and just get guidance on certain things. But I remember, and we actually probably, and I don't know when it was, but we had a conversation about how being a father had had changed your perspective about life and it probably saved a lot of different ideologies and things that you thought you changed becoming a father. How, how, what is that process? You see, my son, is that I was never in the public space not as a father. Right, right. So, so my daughter was born, Madison was born uh, four months after I started working at the NAACP. So by the time I was on Rap City, which is when most people got to know me, I was already a 30-year-old dad of two. So I've, I've never really been in the public space and not been a father. But to your point, um, I, I think fatherhood, if, 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 if you're doing it in a way that makes any sense at all, reminds you how the, the difference between... Um, the difference between moving to create pleasure and moving to create legacy. Mm. And, and so I, I, I never got everything right. I don't get everything right now, but, but being a father helped me recognize with real clarity, the difference between legacy movement and pleasure movement. Mm. And there's something I think to, to my son's point, because there are a lot of people who don't know that we had children so young, you know what I mean? And so they see you with your newer children and it's like, oh, wow, you know, now Jeff has kids. Well, no, actually, Jeff had kids probably for, as you said, as long as your, uh, you know, public career, um, you know, and, and as long as people have known you. But there is something about having children later in life um, that I do, I do think it sort of shifts your perspective from when you have them and you're young and you don't really know anything and they don't know anything and y'all don't know anything together. When you have the smaller kids, you're trying to approach it from a different perspective. Yeah, you know what's funny? The perspective's already changed. So, I mean, you're right. When I had Madison at 26, I didn't know shit. <laughs> uh, I'm just like, can the rent get paid and can I not kill her? Right. Um, <laughs> I'm winning. Um, you know, when when Baldwin and Garvey was born, I, I, was, I was in my 40s. And so... You know, my wisdom was different. My revenue was different. My thought process was different. Um, the relationship that I was in with my wife was different than the relationship I was in with my previous wife. And so there were all the, this maturation that had happened. And so to I, I literally tell um, Madison, Miles, and Malcolm, like, don't hate your brothers. Like, they just got a better me than y'all did. Mm. And, and what I learned being a father with you the joys, the pain, the mistakes, the, the the triumphs and all have made me a better daddy for them. And so they get it. I think on most days, sometimes they'd be looking like, damn, dad, you ain't never do that when we was kids. But but um, but it is a blessing. It's, it's such a blessing to be in this space and be a father for the first time again, because um, I just know so much I didn't know. How, how old is your youngest child? Two. Two. Wow. I remember that. That was... <laughs> Yeah. Ooh, terrible too. I tell people all the time, at two years old, they trying to kill themselves and your job is to make sure that they don't. <laughs> no, you know what's crazy? 
they are trying to discover the world. Yeah. The world. And like with with no limitations. Exactly. Really my son. Like, brother, I will sit there and watch them move. And I'm like, like, Lord, please, please help me not mess up this life. Because mm. they're not supposed to stop. And, yeah. and my wife, I had to teach my wife, I'm like, this is age appropriate defiance. Like if you got a two-year-old who does everything you say, something wrong with him. Mm. Like something is wrong with a two-year-old that does everything. Because they're supposed to pretend like they don't hear you. Mm. And they're supposed to break stuff and throw stuff and figure stuff out and kick stuff. And they're supposed to be overly emotional mm. and whine and cry and get angry. And, and of course, we're supposed to parent them through that. That's naturally what a two-year-old energy is supposed to be. And so I really, they have taught me something. Like I now have a mantra where like every day I want to have childlike joy at least once a day. Because mm -hmm. I, I watch them operate in a level of joy that often confuses me because I'm so busy trying to figure out how to fix stuff and create stuff and make stuff that I often deny myself that joy. Mm. And so I have learned so much from their joy about joy that I got to make sure exists in my life. When we think about the community, because then it's like, now you're 12 years old, you grow up. And I, I would like to see that young black boys would still have that joy. But now you get to school, you get to other places and you're operating within systems that are trying to stop you from realizing you know your greatness and mm -hmm. and and seeing the world what would you say is the approach that educators and administrators need to be taking to to continue to allow that defiance to blossom into the greatness that our young people can actually display yeah i mean listen to me i don't i don't even think it's just about defiance it's like let them be who the hell they are right and that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that there aren't rules, right? And that to some degree, we're we're so we're so concentrated on order mm -hmm. and controlling people that we destroy uh, what they were put here to do. And so, I, I think it's parents. I think it's teachers. I think it's administrators. I think I think we have to realize what spectrum is. And so, whether we're talking about autism or we're talking about dyslexia, kids exist on spectrum. And so we're so busy diagnosing and labeling that we're not dealing with the nuance of our babies. And so kids are going to exist on a spectrum one way or another. And as opposed to spending so much time saying, well, now something is wrong with this kid because they've been diagnosed with this and now they can't do A, B, C, and D. Or now this kid has been diagnosed and that means she is this. And now we're creating judgment around what she's going to be able to do with her life. Just recognizing my my, my um, oldest son Miles has dyslexia, and I'll never forget when we got the diagnosis. And maybe six months after that, we ran into uh, Mr. Belafonte, mm. and we're at a we were at an event for kids with dyslexia because because Yale runs this event, and and Mr. B has dyslexia, mm -hmm. and so he was like, "Is this the boy?" And I was like, "Yeah." And so he pulls him aside, and like, "I need to have a conversation with him without you." And so my, Miles is probably nine years old, has no real clear understanding of who Mr. B is at all. And when I asked him, I said, well, what did he say to you? He said, he told me that I have, that dyslexia gives me a superpower mm. and I just have to learn what mine is. Mm. And 
And it was so empowering for him. But I think every kid is in that space. It's like every kid is in a space where they have been told or they have been convinced that something that is really natural to them is crazy to other people. And if we would stop telling kids that there's some yellow brick road to success or some narrow road that if they travel this road that all these other people have traveled, that they're going to make it and start individualizing mm. that if them have a unique gift and they have to uniquely identify the tools that help them get there, then whether it's defiance, um, whether it's questioning, whether it's creativity, whether it's, whether it's uh, you know, solve them, problem solve, whatever it is, we would be getting out of these babies' way, mm. helping them actually do what it is that they were put here to do, as opposed to convince them that they were put here to do something else. You know, before you say, I just wanted to, to chime in on that thought that, and I talk about it all the time, because um, you know I love to talk. That's something we do together. We talk all the time. When I was young, I was punished a lot for talking. Um, it was actually the thing in school that would keep me in trouble. And I, and I wasn't just a talker, but I recognized injustice. And so I would speak up on behalf of other people. I would speak to the conditions of the school. I attended a Catholic school in which, um, you know, there was clearly a difference between the way that the Latino young people, especially young girls, they had longer, prettier hair. They were treated differently from us as young black girls, darker brown skinned girls, um, you know, who, who had the sort of pigtail look. And I used to say things about it and they found ways to marginalize me and to use the fact that I was so talkative as something to tell my parents so that I would stay in trouble. So the, 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 the discipline, if you will, at school was rough. And then I would get home and my parents would punish me over the weekend because they had to, to pay me back for whatever I was doing in school. And it made me miserable and probably very rebellious to where at 12 years old, I started running away from home. And the conversation that I've had with my parents since then is that the thing we thought or they thought was, you know, uh, you know, was problematic about me ended up being what now has shaped who I am as a person. Um, and so I agree with you so much about individualizing individuals. And, you know, may, we call people individuals, but then we want them to act in a pack. And it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And I think if folks had been more like if, perhaps if they had found me a debate school, Perhaps if they had, you know, allowed me to be the one to do the announcements every day, you know what I mean? Or given me some job that allowed me to speak rather than trying to suppress my voice, it may have actually helped me. But, you know, I still did it. I still talk too much, but hey, whatever. <laughs> I think it's I think it's it's perfect. I say that all the time. I said your gifts are the things that come so natural to you. Mm -hmm. You know, and when you have when you say what you just said, your mother actually acknowledged that yeah. at your party. She was like, you know. The children who give you the, the most hell, those let them do what they need to do. She said, those are the ones that are going to go off and do great things. And I realized the same thing in my life. But I want what I want, I'm going to bring it back to this. I think black fatherhood is so important, right? And when we look, even when now, when you go, they have a lot of commercials for schools where they want black teachers, black male teachers, because there's not a lot of black male teachers. And I, and I realized there was one... Two percent. There was 2%. Two percent. Wow. There was one black teacher that, that really pretty much molded me in fourth grade. I never had any other teacher. And I remember one day I was just 
in the school walking. And he pulled me to the side and told me, pull your damn pants up. And he just pulled me to the side. He said, you know, you know these kids look up to you. You know how influential you are. You know how intelligent you are. You know how smart you are here. And you out here running around here looking like a fool and letting these people um, marginalize you and peg you as and label you as something that you're not. You you reflect me. And you gotta you need to act like it. And from that conversation, the way that I conducted myself every day after that, because I didn't want him to see me in a certain way, and I wanted him to be proud of me, pretty much shaped my life throughout the rest of my life. Every time I would do something wrong in school, I thought about this teacher's name was Mr. Johnson. So I wanted you to speak to what do you how do you feel about the the presence of black fathers, the presence of black men just in the community, whether it's your father or you a father-like figure in the community. No, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think we can argue the importance of men in communities. I think the question for us, because we know, we know when, when men are in communities and, and that there is a difference. The question for me is, how are we investing in how brothers are in communities? And so I think sometimes we're so heavy to talk about presence that we don't talk about health. Mm. And I, I know, you know, uh, we, we created a community called Journey, and Journey is taking the word journey and legacy and bringing it together. So Journey is about um, how do we honor every black dad's unique journey to create legacy for his kids. But the, the community is about health. I mean, literally, I did an unplanned live uh, two days ago, and a brother came on and said, you know, I'm, I'm raising this two-year-old by myself. Her mother's daughter, her, her, the, my daughter's mother passed away, and I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Mm. And not only do we have another brother who was on the live, and these are just regular dads. Like, I literally went on and was just like, I just want to talk to some dads. So this wasn't influencers, this wasn't dad influencers, this wasn't celebrity dads, this was just brothers at work. And, and so he was like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm angry sometimes. I'm like, why did this happen to me? Um, there's certain things with her I don't know how to do. And I'm like, bruh, like one, can I celebrate you right now? Because mm. you, you didn't put this baby up for adoption. You ain't drop her wow. off at your mom and do... You, you acknowledge, like most parents do, that we don't know. Any good parent will tell you they don't know what the hell they're doing. Right. Any parent is like, I don't. I'm showing up with what I have because I don't know what else to do, and I'm hoping for the best. But, but we were able to connect him to three brothers who have been raising their daughters by themselves mm. because they either lost the mother in childbirth or the mother had a rare disease or condition. And I talked to him. The live was two days ago. I talked to him this morning and he's like, man, these brothers are fantastic. It seems like an entirely new day. And I, and I bring up that story to say, that's the focus for me because I don't want brothers to be present and broken. Mm. I want them to be present. And black men have the lowest life expectancy of any demographic in America. We got the highest level of toxic stress, highest level of anxiety, highest level of, of, of increased suicide rate, highest level of certain preventable diseases. And as a result, we're dying from stuff that's preventable, but we don't even have the wherewithal to talk about it because what we've been told is manhood is shut the fuck up and stand there and look strong. Right. Yeah. So, oh, yes, my son, the more brothers we can have present, I'm with it. But can you imagine a world where black men show up whole? That's beautiful. And that so that's 
what that's what men thrive is about. That's what journeying is about. That's what men thrive. That's what I was about to ask you. So that's pretty much what men thrive is about. I've been that dude that was showing up and like I got to a place and I know y'all been there. I got to a place where I was on the road for the umpteenth day and I got a call from Miles actually. And he was like, I said, buddy, how you doing? You know, blah, 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 blah. He was like, daddy, I just need you to come home. That's it. That's it. You come home. And, and I mean, coming out of the NAACP, I was probably in the worst place I've ever been. Um, it was a place of depression. I realized I had, I had been living this life of service and never serving me. Mm-hmm. And so I was broken. Um, I wasn't who I was supposed to be. I was navigating some crazy, um, character flaws that were being encouraged. Mm-hmm. A lot of the brothers around me weren't whole either. And so I'm, I am, I am for my son, brothers being present any way they know how, mm-hmm. but I'm excited about brothers being whole. Mm. Mm. Damn, on yeah. that note. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, it. you pretty much, you pretty much sealed the deal with that one, being whole, man. It's hard. You know, we deal with so many different things. And like you said, we've been told to just shut up and be strong, you know? So just unpacking that and reteaching ourselves something different, man, is really important. I'm, I'm in the process of doing that because I, I find myself doing that with my child. You know, I have two young sons, and a lot of times they be doing things, and they fall, and I'm like, don't be crying. And then I, I have to pull myself back and say, that's not, that's not really something I should tell them. Be emotional. Have Express yourself. I don't want you to feel like you have to put up a certain wall or be something different. Or be too strong. Like, you know, you should be able to do those things. So I'm unlearning as I'm trying to teach them, you know, mm-hmm. so it's a process. So definitely appreciate Men Thrive, man. I want to get more in tune with that, you know, connect with you on that and see what we could do. I appreciate you, though. I, all I will say, Jeff, is that the more you are able to help Black men heal as you continue your own healing process, yes, it's important for our children, but Black women need you all. You know, black women need healed black men in our lives. And um, I think the work you're doing is probably the most critical component of what can bring the black family together. And I don't mean it so much in a, a relational sense in terms of husband and wife or spouses. Um, I mean it just of the black family is the grandfather to the grandchild. It's the granddaughter having a relationship with the son. I mean, all those things are so important. And I believe that in this moment, I think that throughout history, um, and I I I guess I don't think I know that throughout history, one of the most important tactics of our oppressor has been to keep our families split and to keep us broken. Um, because once we recognize and realize the power that we have being a unit, uh, how, how bold will we be? Um, and so it's something I look forward to. And I look forward to even my own healing because I am in transformation and I feel it every day. And I feel like I'm showing up better in space with my son, which you and I have talked about so many times over the years, what it's like to try to raise a 22 year old when I also needed to be raised. Um, so I love you and, and I'm so grateful for you, Jeff. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your commitment. Know that it does not go unseen. Absolutely. 
But you, before you go, we got to come back and talk about something you just said, because the family is us. Mm-hmm. It really is the platonic relationships between Black men and women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We could get to the place where relationship goals were more about how do Black men and Black women look at each other and say, I want to create a relationship with them just because they, not because I want to hit, not because they look good on my arm, not because she can hold the bag, not because she can cook, not because this Negro can buy this ring, or not because he can drive this, right. but I think about the relationship you and I have, and it's like, I love you because you don't. Yeah, I love you too. Because you don't. No, and, and right? And, and so, but imagine what we would look like if even the romantic relationships we were in were rooted in the fact Amen. that we got first yeah. because we thought each other was dope. That's yeah. right. That's, that's, that's the key that's to it. it. That up. Yeah, yeah, that's the key to it. That is the dope. key. Just because you well, dope. Well, y'all are both dope dads. Love Appreciate y'all so much. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for being with us. We're, you coming back again for sure. Definitely, me. We appreciate you. Keep appreciate being you. a dope dad, man. You too, brother. And helping men thrive. Peace. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here, and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family's safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that could become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Limited time offer. Requires 0% APR 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year? Their year. These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. That's how we own it! Yeah, Jeff. Jeff is very inspirational. Man. He is. I watch just, just watching him mature. See, the thing is, you know, I realized that he had a lot of children. Before, and I, Not I, a lot, just two. He got, well, I realized that he had children before, but I think 
Maybe it's the fact that, you know, social media got way more prevalent and mm-hmm. I started seeing him talk about the journey yes. of the, the baby. You yeah, know, he did. He did a lot. You know, it was a lot. And I was like, damn. And he started talking about how it changed his, his wife. Change. Mm-hmm. And it even changed the relationship with him and his wife and everything. So, you know, I just I applaud him, man. Just listening to men thrive is something that's dope. Because a lot of us men... We just was taught different. We was taught we wasn't supposed to be emotional. We wasn't supposed to show emotions. We were supposed to always be strong. And a lot of us were raised that way. And, yeah. And and when you start to think about it, it's not even realistic. Yeah, you know? right, right. It's well, not- it actually is part of the breakdown between um, black women and black men is some of the things that we've been taught on both sides. I mean, you know, when I, when I was growing up, my mother didn't say it because she obviously has an incredible husband which he wasn't always incredible, but nonetheless, he's a good man. Um, but there was a narrative that I heard from many older women that men ain't shit. You know, that's mm-hmm. just something we were taught. You can't trust them. They all lie. They all cheat. And so we carry that with us into relationships. So we're entering a relationship with trauma just based upon that's somebody else, somebody else's story or what, what what's being deposited in our minds. And so in state of emergency, one of the things that I thought was so important is to hire someone to help me with research. Because sometimes we as black folks, and I don't know if other communities do this, but I know with us, we tell stories like tales to make a particular point. And then later on, you like going around thinking that Jesus walked down 125th Street and it's like Jesus was not, he was never on 125th Street, but that's something that made sense at the time, time that the your story. grandmother said, if, you know, because Jesus is down there walking on 125th Street and he going to get you. And you like, oh my God, we can't, you know, you thinking that these things are true and it's actually not. So I wanted to make sure that even the things that I believe I know about history, that I was, I was right, that I was right on point. And I learned in the process and unlearned some things. And one of, the, one of the issues that I, I tell you about all the time is that towards um, the end of the book where I start to really get into some of the solutions, I talk about police reform. And it just kills me that I use the word reform because over the year that I was writing the book, I still believe that reform is what we needed. And, towards, and, and now as I'm entering this new phase of my own development, I realize reform won't work, that it's a, you, a overhaul. Overhaul, transformation. Transformation, <laughs> a overhaul, tearing down of what exists and rebuilding public safety with community at um, the center of it. And so, but you know, that's evolution. That's what growth is all about. Where we get in trouble is when we think we know and are unwilling to listen to other people. So I appreciate Jeff for saying we're exactly. healing, learning, and growing together. Definitely, man. I definitely appreciate him. One of the fathers that I look up to. Yeah. And the next person that we're about to have is also a father that I look up to, a very, you know, a brother, somebody He's I, I brother, consider yeah. a brother. He's our friend. We got more friends Another than anybody. Friend. But this is one of those brothers that, man, I just, I watch the way he moves. I love. You know, how stand-up he is. I love the way that he carries himself as a man, the way he carries his family. And, you know, he's always ten toes down. So this is one of my brothers. And he happens to he I mean, and he happens to be married to our brand expert. Yes, right. Latoya Bond. Latoya Bond. Yes. And this is my brother, none other than James Bond. The Bond. The Bond man. Hello. What's going on, King? Everything good. Appreciate y'all. Well, we appreciate you, man. It's funny because y'all, y'all had Jeff here today, and me and Jeff just went live yesterday. 
Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, we was just building and kicking it about the importance of fatherhood, you know, and how the neighborhoods and the inner city kids really need that. You know, and not only the inner city, you know, it's very important. Yes, sir. I, I was saying that to Jeff, too. You know how important it is to have black men in prevalent in our communities, fathers, even 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 you're not biologically fathers, but there's a lot of men in our communities who people look up to as fathers, you know, and I think it's important that we get back to that, you yeah. know. So tell us about Daddish. Yeah, you know, what man. made you create it? What is it? Is I like the, the name already, but I just want... It's the name. It's the name for me. You know, do something a little bit of style to it. Yes, so sir. The, the reason why I came up with Daddish is because I seen that it was just a lack of, you know, like, brotherhood. So I, I, I call it Daddish. It's the fatherhood brotherhood. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And what I try to do with Daddish is link up with like-minded fathers because as fathers and as men, we are, we all have circles, right? So what I do is I come in with my circle and we get our circles together, which create a larger circle. Mm -hmm. And if we build the right way, that overflows to the kids in the community. Mm -hmm. You feel me? So that's what Daddish is really all about, networking and building and just giving back. You know, because as a dad, the reason why I do the things that I do is because I grew up without a father. Mm -hmm. So all the things that I missed out on is the things that I give to my kids, you know? And it's very important to me. So That's what, what are some of the activities of Daddish? Like, what have you guys been doing? I mean, I've been watching you on social media, really building a movement. I love the networking component of fathers getting together because one right. of the big arguments that my son and I have on a regular basis, not just him, also... Um, Angelo, who you know well, our partner at Until Freedom, one of the biggest arguments we get into is this idea that women get together all the time working on women. So we don't need y'all to tell us what we need to do because mm -hmm. that's what they do to me. Y'all need to do this and y'all need to do that and y'all need to... No, so no, you no, do no. it to us too. No, no, yeah, well, that's because y'all don't get together and figure out what y'all need. Y'all need us to tell y'all what to do. This, we don't need y'all to tell us. It's true because women do get together more than men and yeah. they build and they create common goals and then they attack them. You feel me? Right. And that's another another part of this where I reach out to all the brothers who I know, young dads, old dads, because it's basically each one teach one thing. So what I do is, first of all, I'm from Harlem, of course, y'all know, but everybody else don't know. I go back to where I'm originally from, mm -hmm. where they know me the best at, and I started there. That's my grassroots. You know, and I just build with the brothers like, yo, you could be doing something different, you know, with this amount of, I mean, you could call it power, but it's just basically influence in the community. Mm -hmm. You could be doing much more. And I tell them, look, I'm a perfect example that we all come from the same place, you know, and that's that's what it is. That's the key to it, you know, and I try to do the same thing, go back to the community. Because I, for me, it's like, why would I want to grow and evolve and be successful and have the people from where I, you know, was at my lowest at, stay there. You know, I want to evolve with people. I come back to the community. I tell people all the time, a lot. The, the, the notion of leaving the hood is good, but, you know, you want to go to a better place. You want to live in it. But the key is to transform the hood to where it's something that's that's beautiful for you. You know, you want. I want to see everybody in our community thrive. I want to see these young brothers utilize, like you said, their influence to be... Yeah you know, something positive because it's, it's easy to do. And when you start to realize it, you know, when I started realizing that the influence I have and the, the ideologies I have can be 
put to something more than what we've been taught about in the streets, you know, and when you apply it to something else that's that's legal and positive, the, the amount of success that you can have from it, I was startled. I couldn't even believe that because we had only been taught that this is the way you got to do this and you got to utilize the streets and you got to go this method. And as soon as I realized that the same ideology and the same talents that I have, I can use to do something positive, I immediately did it. So Dadish, when I when I think about what you're saying with Dadish is influencers and people of integrity who have, you know, some level of notoriety just coming together with just regular people, everybody, and just in and letting them feel empowered and showing them how to utilize what they have to be empowered. Yeah. Right. The game changer is just showing them that it's other options, you know? We don't gotta be stuck in the same ways anymore. It's so many options and sky's the limit. And you know, with Dadish, as you guys already know, we putting together a tournament for get back, I mean, um, back to school in August. And also I'm working on putting a retreat together for dad so that we could get together. And yeah, build. there you go. Cause these girls got all yeah, types of know, retreats, we, man. You already know we gotta build and just plant the seeds. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Because without planting the seeds, it won't be anything. Yeah, anyway. no, and you know, I think, um, you know, you are, our change maker today. We have a change maker segment in which we choose people who are doing really, really positive things um, within the community. Some folks are doing it on an international scale. Other people are doing it just on their block. Um, and I think all those things matter. And Dadish is so important. I see this movement growing. I know the drive that you have and also the support of the strong black women who are there to help you. Um, yeah. and, and it's obviously a very, very, very important moment in our, in, in, in just in, in, in general, in our society, especially when we know that shootings are up around the country, people are dying and they're dying because there's so much oppression and pain and so much lack to your original point where folks are feeling like they don't have. But one of the things I will say is that watching you with your daughter, watching you with journey, is where I see the most um, of the of the of the. Let's see, what do I want to call it? It's change maker stuff, man. To watch a man and his daughter have such a bond and come together in the way in which you and I know because I have that bond with my father. I know other young men, on the other young women who have those bonds with their dads, and I don't know if. Men and particularly black men understand how important it is for your daughter to know that her first love is her father, who is there to teach her the values of what it is for a man um, to be in her life. So I just want to salute you for that and thank you for the movement you're creating because there's definitely a need. Yes, Yes, sir, man. We appreciate you, King. I always tell you, man, you're one of the brothers I look up to, man. Continue to be what you are, man. That is just something I see going far. Make sure we get these retreats going because we need to go out and just build with each other because these women got all types of stuff going on. Every time I turn around, they got something going on. They work. They working. Look, we got to work. Well, listen, we working too. Let's work, man. Let's get it going, man. I appreciate you, King. Appreciate y'all. Love you. Love love you, you too. Keep doing what you're doing. The Bond. James Bond. Daddish. Yes, indeed. Yes, sir. Shout out to James, man. James he's a is great my, dad. He's a, just a great dude. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, There's a lot of dudes. Dude. And you know, it's hard, right? Transitioning from where we come from. It's a, I see a lot of 
brothers that I know have a struggle transitioning from the streets and then evolving into having same principles and morals that we got from the streets, but transform into something that's positive. They think you just got to be the street person and stay engulfed in that. And he's one of the people who shows you don't have to do that, that you can come from the streets and understand the ideology and still be respected, still be yeah, firm. Still be respected. You know what I'm saying? I think that's a big that's deal. What it is. like you're going to lose respect. Because a lot of people, do, and because I realize respect that. matters to every, first of all, American society, matter of fact, the whole world, is has been built off of the perception of power mm-hmm. and so respect I, and respect power. right well you gotta have you, in order for you to have power people have to respect or fear you yeah and um i think that for a lot of men there is this feeling of you know if i soften and or change will it make me lose the grip that i have on whatever power is in my Little box, whatever box I live on, my street corner, my house. So do I need to have power over my wife? Do I need to have power, you know, on the corner in the hood? So I think now what what I'm hearing is that this is an opportunity to figure out how to use, as you said, the same skill set, the same talents, the same uh, strategic thinking, but to apply it to how we're going to develop and And empower our communities. Yeah, Yeah, that's what's up. Shout out to James. And, and and that just brings me to my I don't get it. Mm. I don't get how any man would not want to be a father to his child. You know, when when I hear or, you know, hearing the death, because some of the stories are not real. You know, there are different, you know, situations in people's relationships. But there are actually men who father childs, who've had sons, who have daughters who who really want to be connected to their fathers and they don't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and as a father, just understanding how connected I am to my children, how just wanting to hear their voice, just seeing them smile, just wanting to guide them through things and watching how they just evolve. Like when she talked when he was just talking about his child and seeing them do things and, and his freedom. You know, every time my sons do different things and I and I see them just evolving. Jeff, Jeff was saying when that, Jeff was right. talking about his his two year old watching, said, them. watching mm-hmm. them and seeing them be so free and wanting to have that. I don't understand how a man would not feel so connected and obligated to be a father to their child. Like I really don't get that mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I guess I don't get it either. Um, but there's a lot of it, and unfortunately, it's a lot of absent parents in general and certainly dads but the positive note is that there are many studies that showed black men are re-entering the home that black men especially those having children today are finding ways to be more committed and more present in their families and i'm really proud to see your son nasan who has a new baby really stand up and be a dad now hopefully Tariq, his best buddy doesn't go out and do the same thing. We're trying to keep him at 22, my child, from having a baby because it's hard. It is. It's hard. And I think that's one of the issues is that, and again, a lot of things, as we were just saying, it's been taught over time. So one of the things that we learn um, as black women or as women is that this is mommy's baby, daddy's maybe. Mm -hmm. That was a a saying that you would hear as people were trying to encourage you as a young girl not to get pregnant. 
Facts. Mommy's baby, daddy's maybe. But that statement... Well, I thought the statement was about we don't know if it's the the man's baby. No, no. That statement, well, at least the way that it was given to me. Okay. It was about you have no choice but to take care of your child. And you hope the dad will be present. But it's possible that he may or may not be there. Well, for me, it was... Look, you don't know who she was sleeping with, and you better go get your see, blood test to make different. sure that that's your are baby. The different from the male perspective to yeah. the female perspective. But I know for us, we definitely learned you stuck with this child, and the baby's going to live with you. The father can come and go. He can do whatever he chooses to do. But I think, that's, I think that's, that's, that's a two-pronged situation, mm-hmm. right? Because legally, the mother is the primary caretaker of the child. Legal, like you have to go through processes for you to, to have the same rights as the mother all the time. Like it's not if you if a, if a child is living in a mother's home, right? If both of y'all living in the same place, you can't just take the child. No, but well but, but so first of all there are there are provisions in place or laws in place on both sides. Because also the mother cannot take the child out of state and just move without out of state, but she can take it to somewhere else. Yeah, but she and she's she the still primary. Cannot... Ta- if you take, if as a father, y'all both live in the same house, and you take the child, yeah, and you go somewhere, but... they bringing that child back to his mother. Well, that that's probably true. That's factual. But there's still court proceedings that will take place. So, for instance, I have a friend who I'm very close to, mm-hmm. and recently that happened. Her nine year old daughter went to her father's house and decided that she wasn't going home because they got into it and she was like, I'm staying with my father. Well, when, um, you know, her mother got the police and went to his house to get uh, get her back because he wasn't willing to send her back. And ACS got involved and said, well, we can't just remove her from her father's home because her mother did not have any paperwork that says that she is the prominent or the dominant parent, not dominant, but the main parent, primary parent. That's the word. Um, She didn't have that paperwork. So now they need an investigation to figure out, is the child being harmed, this and that? And now that little thing that happened unfortunately has the the child protective services in both homes on a regular basis over the fact that the mother and the nine-year-old got into it. So it's the system, the, the lines get very blurred. But yes, the mother does birth the child and therefore there's a lot of responsibility and also expectations placed on the mother. I'm just saying that because of the way it's framed in the world, because you know, sometimes you put things in the air in the universe and it sticks. And I think that there has been, because it's so difficult to raise a child, it stuck somewhere along the line that the father is like, maybe, you know, you could be there, but you can also go off and do whatever else you need to do in your life. And maybe you come, maybe you don't. And I think that's shifting because people are understanding that their children need both parents. There is no way that balance of two parents is very critical. And it's not just two parents. You actually need two parents, grandparents, aunts. It takes a whole village to raise one child. So it's good to see dadish. It's good to see men thrive. I love these types of shows when we bring the brothers into the space because we always have a, a powerful black women, but there are also great black men out there doing empower- yes, we powerful is. things as well. That's right. So that concludes yep. 
our episode. A great episode. Great episode celebrating fatherhood. Yeah. Happy belated Father's Day to all the fathers out there. If you have a child, you deserve to be celebrated. Hopefully, you got more than a card. Maybe somebody cooked you something. Maybe you got a little more than socks. Come on, woman, step up. <laughs> Gives It's Father's Day. Look, y'all want all types of gifts and jewelry and trips and all this stuff. Act like Father's Day really exists. We're tired of getting the same old card that you wiped off from last year no, you crossed out please. and you put the you new you can't even find the one that you saved yeah, last year they do and I'm gonna give it to him this year we want more than a hug don't know where it is we want more than a hug for you know for um Father's Day start stepping up step up step your Father's Day you know thing up so we appreciate y'all the, the game Father's Day game Father's Day game step your Father's Day game all the way up salute you dads we love you we appreciate you continue to be great and once again, I'm not going to always be right, but I am now because today's Father's Day and we're going to celebrate Father's Day so fathers are right. And Tamika is not going to always be wrong, but we will both always be authentic. Right. Peace. Thanks for joining Street Politicians. The number one, number one podcast. Appreciate y'all. Not mine, but it needs to be on the charts. Number one, number one. Subscribe, subscribe. Click subscribe, click. subscribe. Hit the, <laughs> hit the like button. That's how we own it. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, now streaming only on Hulu. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Limited time offer. Requires 0% APR 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. Thank you.